I bet you wouldn't believe what your contact is in my phone. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> so he's like, oh shit. So you're you're in my phone as Namal Nosh. Oh my god, I remember that. Do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I wonder if I have his number still. And I was like, because I asked you guys for your numbers, you know, whatever through the uh, messenger or whatever, and then. I like looked it up and I was like, "Oh, it's not in here, Sean. It's in here as Namal Nosh." And that was like, <laughs> I remember that because you're like, "You know what your name backwards is?" And I was like, oh, "I don't. I've never really thought about it." <laughs> that was one of those like, um, I don't know. Like that was on Pauslin Street, right? That apartment. Yep. And I, I don't know how how many fucking people were even like living in that place. Like, <laughs> Dude, so me and my girlfriend at the time had a room. Steve right. and his girlfriend had a room. Right. And my brother lived in the closet, like a pantry. <laughs> there was always somebody sleeping on the couch. Yeah, dude. Oh, God, I felt like I was there. Uh, you guys are probably get this fucking guy out of here, probably. But at oh, the no. time, I remember it being great. Like, we were all just hanging out. And I remember working with... Okay, so, so Prue, his ex... Her and I got a job working at like this weird call center where she would come and pick me up and we'd go to this place like in Portland where we would call random people. And it was like we were like promoting like high school sports boosters, but it was for no high school that I had ever heard of before, like ever ever and i've never heard of one to this day and they always paid us like a percentage of like whatever we like sold or however i don't know if it was like but boy scouts and we were selling popcorn or whatever the fuck but like we would whatever we sold they'd give us a percentage and they'd pay us in cash every day right so well, that doesn't that was sound like... sketchy at all <laughs> <laughs> so, right and so i remember going there one day with her and they were gone and they were all locked up and there was nothing. Like you could look in the windows. There was nothing in there. And recently, I went with my wife. Uh, we went. She went and got um, a tattoo done by uh, Mandy Prue um, over at. Um, oh, I can't remember the name of the. She's a great her. artist, by the way. Yeah, yeah. She's also from our hometown. Yes. Right. So. I, we went there, and her studio is in the same fucking business park <laughs> as where that call center was. And I was like, babe, you're never going to believe it. <laughs> I, like, I used to work right over there. And she was like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, dude, that Pazlin Street house was, I remember, a lot, a lot of really fun, enjoyable times. Dude, there was literally yeah. one night in the middle of a blizzard where a show got canceled. And we literally had us... We had the guys from Connery, uh, Nottingham. There was another band there, too. Like Instead of playing a show because it got snowed out, they all came to our house, and we had a show in our living room. We all played acoustics. I swear to God, we lived there for a year, and we were loud every single night. Oh, yeah. We were obnoxious. The house always smelled like we were breeding skunks. <laughs> <laughs> we had the cops called on us zero times. I, couldn't I don't know how it happened. Dude, our upstairs neighbor what? were like basically us, but not in a band. Like, you know, same kind of people, same age range. They and seemed the, like frat guys. Yeah. And then the people who lived on the first floor, it was a woman and her two kids. And I felt I always, always felt so bad for her because we were fucking terrible. And <laughs> she took it like a champ, like left us a couple of, you know, passive aggressive notes and that was like basically all we heard from her it's like i mean just the patience of that woman is absolutely incredible and so like always something i think about like when i start to lose my my shit with my kids is like she dealt with that like i can deal with what's going on right now (laughs) she literally (laughs) coined a phrase that i have carried on even to this day where this ought to be good one of her notes it was something to the effect of if you're going to come home at all hours of the night, could you please take off your brick slippers? 
<laughs> I yeah. literally use that term with my children when they're going up and down the stairs, and it sounds like they're going to come through the floorboards. I'm like, who is wearing their brick slippers today? People who interacted with us outside of, like, the, you know, like a show, like, didn't know who we were, like that, like the guy on the other end of the phone, or, like, someone that comes up to the counter and orders a sandwich from us, or, like, and we say something weird, or we do something strange, must just be like, what in the fuck? Where am I? Like, <laughs> who, is, yeah. who is this guy? And for us, it was just so normal. Like, that was just who we all were. And I think that those those kinds of things were a big part of why so many people were coming to the shows you know aside from the fact that like oh hey you know what it turns out these bands are pretty fucking good number one i mean we're we've mentioned a couple of the the major you know players in this in the scene already and even some of the guys that maybe were were not so major but like there were so many bands playing i just there were bands popping up all over the place and i thought it was just every show there was like oh who are these guys oh they're really good they're from maine where are they from and it was like how did that i I felt so lucky to be a part of that and all of our personalities the fact that we were all friends all the bands got along i don't even think there was really any like band beefs like between bands not that i was aware of or maybe i just was you know not uh (laughs) alert enough to really realize it but like i don't remember any anything negative like that i just remember every show that i was a part of it was like just such a fun experience now that's probably an exaggeration right because i'm sure not every show was like that because i i know there were shows that i was like wow <laughs> there's no one fucking here like, <laughs> we, we played one of those shows together at that fucking place in uh rawlingsford new hampshire even Nobody that was show, there to see it. Yeah, that show. <laughs> yep. I mean, and it's not so bad because, you know, at least we had, you know, the sophomore beat there. You guys were there. You know, we enjoy your watching you play. You would, st- you know, sing along to our songs from the crowd, which oh, yeah. anytime if it was a full venue, if it was empty, one of the better feelings is seeing a guy from another band that you respect singing. your Like you took the time to learn our songs, which makes me feel good. But like that was the thing going back to the scene was. We would see like Alex from Sparks on the side of the stage singing our songs. We'd see you and Mike in the crowd singing, and then you guys would be on stage. We're all singing along. Like we had that rapport where we didn't just like each other as people. We really liked each other's music, and I thought that was awesome. Yeah, that was my my favorite thing was when somebody came out with you know a new song, a new album, like something like I I would just jam it all the time, and I you know it was just I don't, that's it was the music I wanted to listen to because it was the, you know, it was my surroundings. It was just, I wanted to be part of the crowd singing along, like having a great fucking time when I went to, or when we played together or I went to one of your shows, like I wanted to know, you know, the lyrics I wanted to sing along, you know, jam out. And it was just, that was part of the, uh, part of the scene. It was, it was so good. I, and like you said, like no beefs, no nothing. Sean, I was just telling Steve that, like, I felt really compelled recently to do this, um, just to, like, I felt, I've wanted to do this for, like, a couple years, right? Just get everybody somehow to talk about what the fuck happened, you know, (laughs) when we were, when we were all doing our things. Um, You know, there are so many stories and, and so many different experiences, and we touched so many people's lives you know, just from, from playing out and, and putting out music and, and giving it everything we could to the, you know, the world or the community or the area or whatever that, like, I just feel like people want to hear about it. I feel like I get asked about it. I don't know. If, do, do you guys still get anyone talking to you about, like, stop? or All the time, especially at work. Yeah. It's fun. It, the best part is, like, like me and Steve don't really talk about it openly a lot. It's not like, hey, we were in a band type of thing. But when when people like find out, like they'll go, they'll add us on Facebook, or whatever, and they'll see a profile picture, an old profile picture of us on stage. They'll be like, were you guys in a band? And then yeah, yeah, we did this, that, and the other thing. And then the best part is when they like Google us, and the first thing that pops up is the music video for Forever Should Never End, and we're all covered in makeup, and they're like, what the <laughs> hell am I looking at? <laughs> 
Yeah, I had a couple like before Sean even started working with us. Um, I had a couple guys at work that like got drunk one night and they were just on YouTube and somehow stumbled across the music video. And no way. They, yeah, and it was like a. Uh, then it just started spreading. It was like, hey, you want to see Steve wearing makeup? <laughs> <laughs> Who's Whose idea was that for the video? Oh, that's mine. <laughs> yeah. I had a, I've always had an obsession with like theatrics and like, I love MCR. I loved Good Charlotte and just seeing both of those bands live. That It wasn't just like a band up there playing music. It was always like telling a story, you know, through like a theatric performance and that I've always connected with stuff like that. So I wanted yeah, to copy that. <laughs> We always used to do stuff like that too for all our shows, whether it was like eye black or, you know, makeup or going to Goodwill or the Army Barracks store and just finding the most random shit we can <laughs> to wear on stage. It's like, we just, I mean, it was always about just having as much fun as we possibly could. And it was also really funny to like listen to, you know, the negative feedback that was like talked around, you know. Oh yeah, let's look at these guys with their cowboy hats and their makeup. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. What so? Did you, did you remember our set? Yeah, you did, didn't you? <laughs> oh, the, our first uh, still smiling CD release show when we're like, let's do something fun. And Steve's like, why don't we just dress up like Harry Potter characters? And I was like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that was it was so sick too because it had like the the Harry Potter intro music. And then as it cuts out, Snape just says, clearly fame isn't everything. And then it just went into the drum beat of the first song on the album. It's, yeah, it was, you couldn't, you couldn't hear Snape because Sean was just yelling, let's fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been so amped up for anything in my life. It was like adrenaline. Oh, there's nothing, there's, I, there's nothing like it, man. Like I remember when we played the, uh, the high technology release and at, uh, Big Easy, and the, I remember that show just being like fucking bananas, dude. Like when you're when it, because not everyone out there that's listening has ever obviously played a CD release show for a band that they're in for a record that they wrote. Like, but for those of you that have, you know exactly what the fuck we're talking about. And for those of you that haven't, like, there's nothing like toiling for like I don't know how long did it take you guys you think to to from start to finish on Still Smiling? Like, how long did it take to write the songs, record from that to getting into the studio? Because you did, did that at, at Dino Wax, right? Yep. Yeah, with Nick and yep. Alex? Yep. So how long from start to finish on it that? It was well over a year, because when we started the band, it was just acoustic. It was just me and Steve. And we had probably, what, three, maybe four songs we had put together? Once the band actually came together and we started to pick up, you know, some steam... And there was just that we got approached by by Nick and Alex, and they're like, "You want to come record with us?" And we're like, "Hell yeah!" And then all of a sudden, we kind of got in a panic, like, "We only have like four songs, so we need something different." <laughs> and it was literally like a grind for a couple of weeks of me getting home from work and just opening up the the folder on the computer that we had that, that has you know, like all the lyrics in it, and just sitting there and just thumbing through everything and swapping things around and taking ideas from different songs and you know i bang on sean's bedroom door at three in the morning you gotta come hear this and he'd come listen to it and he'd just be like yeah i'm going back to bed like <laughs> tell me in the morning I, so I just get so excited about it that i was like this is this is really I, this is really what i want you know this song to become and it's getting there we got the itch to make music again and we knew that you know we still had a lot of songs in the tank that like never really saw the light of day we might have played them live a couple times but um yeah so it was just us being like all right well we don't want to pay a lot of money we just want to uh make some music we don't have any yeah. <laughs> and uh <laughs> so that was yep. what 2017 right so how between that and what was the previous uh, forever should never stop end album? right okay so 2010. Yeah, seven what years. That, that was this, the whole seven thing. So you guys had seven years, seven right, tracks, right, seven okay. days. 
We released it on July 7th. July 7th. <laughs> and it, the hardest part, too, is we were so excited oh. and proud of this, like, for what it was. But we, outside of our significant others, no one knew we were doing yeah. this. We didn't tell our closest friends who, you know, like Danny Davis, who has supported Stop since yeah. the beginning. Like, one of my best friends now. I didn't even tell her. I invited her over one day after we had them printed, and I just laid one in her lap. And she's like, what is this? <laughs> I don't know. Check it out. Yep. It was awesome. No way. How... So you've got that. So there's a couple things about this story that really are interesting to me is that number one, it just goes to prove that like seven years after, you know, you guys have pretty much everyone thinks, Oh, we've seen the last of these guys. You guys put out an album. The two of you, you grind again, like the passion is still there. The love for, for everything, local music, you know, short of going out and playing shows, you know, just one to get music out there for people. You bring over your, essentially, you know, I remember Danny, of course, like your number one fan. And you're like, here, like that must have meant oh, the yeah. world oh, yes. to her. I'm guessing, you know, so the, again, you know, the, how many people have we all had that experience with that? You know, Steve, you brought up the example earlier of someone coming up to you at a show and being like, yo, thank you. I needed this show so bad. Like my week was total garbage or whatever. And, and we all felt the same way. And what I'm finding is that we were just all so fortunate oh, to absolutely. be in the right place at the right time for yep. this. I actually have a really cool story. And this happened after everything, after the band so I'm, I'm living down in Maryland with my fiance sure. and her family, and I'm like, I got to get a job. So I ended up getting a job cleaning cars at Enterprise Rent-A-Car, okay, in Germantown, Maryland. My, my job was to clean rental cars that came back, and from time to time, they'd hand me a slip of paper with MapQuest and say, you need to go pick up this customer and bring them in. They're going to rent a car. Because, you know, rent the car. Uh, Enterprise, we'll pick you up. <laughs> no drop-off fees whatsoever. I, uh, <laughs> I was sure. the guy okay. picking you up. Yeah. So... This is, dude. If you ever came to pick me up, I would be so fucking thrilled. This is a true story. I swear to God. I swear in my children's life. This is a true story. I go to pick up. You know, I you, the procedure was to pull up and you beep twice. That's what they tell you. That's how you know it's the person. They come out. You show them the little enterprise thing. They get in the car. So this woman gets in a car with her daughter. Daughter's got headphones on. Whatever. And I'm driving. I, I just happen to look up in the rear view, and the girl's like tapping her mom, and she's pointing at me. And I'm like, I can hear him like whispering. And I'm like, oh, this is weird. Like, what the hell is going on? And like, the mom's like, yeah, excuse oh, no. me, sir. And I was like, yep. Like, because the radio's on like very, very low. It's on a country station, nothing crazy. And uh, she's like, um, are you famous? <laughs> <laughs> and I just started laughing. I'm like, no, no, I'm not famous. And the daughter goes, are you in a band called Stop is the New Go? And I just like looked up. My eyes were huge. And I was like, yeah, how do you know that? And she's like, I saw you when I was on vacation in Connecticut once. And I bought your CD. I literally have it on my iPod. We got to Enterprise. No and this girl, way. Mom, literally had me take pictures with her daughter. She was like blown away. She was out of her mind that I listen to you guys all the time. And you're giving me a ride to pick up. A wow. And I was like, times are changing, babe. <laughs> for, for better yep. or worse. I couldn't believe it. I was like, now. of all the people in the world for me to pick up that day, it was someone who literally had purchased my CD, had watched me play a show live. In a state, neither one of us lived in. Yeah. <laughs> what is what is life? Now, now, tell me about the the music video. So you guys filmed that at Jody Dolly's place, right? That uh, was my apartment too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because you were there at the time, right? Yep. Okay. So what was that like? Who did you have come in and film that for you guys? Oh, uh, Balada filmed it, and he me did. and Balada co-directed it basically because. I mean, that's that was my background. 
that's what I went to school for. I was in uh, vocational in high school for media communications. Like that was my dream job was like shooting music videos. So when it came time for us to do it, I was like trying to, you know, take the bull by the horns. I wanted to be hands on the whole fight scene, the buildup. That was all like stuff we came up with on the fly. And I was like, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's put them through the table. You know, I love wrestling. So I was like, let's put them through the table. (laughs) (laughs) Which he nicks the put them through the table thing. But then we ended up, you know, there's a scene in there. The guys are trying to drag me away from the fight and everything. And, you know, I'm fighting back. And then I, you know, let myself go, stand back up. And they're still pulling on me. So we all went backwards and ended up falling through the table anyway. (laughs) So there's a nice little Easter egg in there. If you watch the video at the very end, there's one frame where you see us, you know, me and the two Dans sitting on the uh, the broken table. And one is there, right? Yeah. <laughs> one thing I will say is, bands and musicians these days, if they want to film a music video, they have such a leg up with social oh media. Because I'll tell you what, we tried to get extras in there to make that party scene look full. And I think we put it out on our MySpace, okay? This is how long ago this was. We had a MySpace. No, I think it was Facebook back then. I think MySpace was already dead by this point. Yeah. Well, we put it out there, and we had, what was it, three three people show up with their mom? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And they were and then, all they were all oh, underage, oh. so we couldn't have any real alcohol in the shooting because you know we had music playing, we had a bunch of people. We were afraid the cops were going to get called, and then there's going to be drinking. Right, there's right. underage girls. We're like, fuck this, man. <laughs> we're covering all our bases. Put water in those beer pong cups. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> like this is happening. We're we're gonna make this happen. It's funny because like I I've seen that video. I don't know how many times, countless times. Um, I just, I literally just watched it a few minutes ago, as a matter <laughs> of fact, in sort of like in preparation for, for this, but like this conversation, but it doesn't look that way. It looks like a party. So however you guys decided to, to film that, like whether you just got the camera angles right or whatever, but like, it doesn't look that way. Like, so obviously you learned something. In yeah. School, you learned a lot more than I did. That's for sure. Well, a cool little, story on that if you don't mind um how i got into shooting media music videos was in vocational and basically me and my uncle tim were lip syncing and we made our own like trl we picked 10 songs that we liked and we pretended to be each you know band in the we recorded literally 10 music videos and my voc teacher was like this is awesome but i want you to do this with a real band so i literally as a senior in high school in 0203 reached out to tons of local bands and asked if anybody wanted a free music video and i ended up working with a band out of portland called ransom i literally shot and edited their dvd hmm. that they had released way back that was my senior project in vocational i shot music videos no uh like interviews i interviewed john wyman for that Oh, yeah, shit. it was. I was a senior in high school, and I'm like, this is crazy. I'm with a real band. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. And then I just, my love for it grew from there. Was that your first, like, entry into local music? Yeah, it was. That's when I was like, wow, I want to do this. And then I went to school in Florida for a year and a half. And then I came home from college, and one of my friends at the time actually worked with Steve at a McDonald's and it's like, Hey, this is my friend, Steve. He plays guitar. And I have the most vivid memory of, we are literally at the fallout boy show at the civic center. Uh, It's me, Mm -hmm. my girlfriend at the time. And then we met up with my friend, Josh, who had brought Steve and his girlfriend. We're in the middle. It's like between sets, you know, we're up against the gate crushed. And Steve turns around. I was like, Hey, so I heard you play guitar. You like want to get together and start a band? Sure. Boom. That's literally how we started. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what um Steve now you Steve now you and I have a little bit of local music history together because you must you must have had a thing for acoustic duos at one time because I remember playing a lot of acoustic with you oh, yeah. in a government yep. like on the side of the street, mm-hmm. literally for gas money just to get me back up <laughs> yeah, to <exactly>. Mexico. <laughs> because we literally had we had enough money to get me down there so that we could like hang out for a weekend 
and do whatever it is that we were going to do. And then we, I wouldn't have enough money to get, even get home to put gas back in the, in the tank of that Dodge Neon <laughs> that we actually ended up running off the road. That was fun. It <laughs> got quit. But um, yeah, that was the second crash that car has been into. But anyway, um, <clears throat> so like, I remember that, but other than that, were you going to local shows or, or what was your first recollection of, of like, I want to be like in a band? Was it that kind uh, of thing? I think for me, my dad took me to see ACDC when I was like eight years old. And it was just like feeling the energy from them, you know, on the stage and like watching them just look like they're having a blast. And the people in the crowd are absolutely fucking losing it. And I was just like, that would be so <laughs> right. cool. And then, you know, on, on top of that, uh, getting into like theater when I was in high school was like another kind of, you know, I just want to be on stage. Like <laughs> this is kind of made for me. Um, I didn't, I was never really big with the, uh, with the local stuff though. I, I want to say I, I might've gone to a couple of metal shows, but that was never really like for me. The local metal scene is just a bunch of knuckleheads usually. And so, <laughs> um, we used to call them slam dancing Cindy's back in the day. Nothing against your mom, Andy, but um, <laughs> no, it's fine. Yes, yeah. lady. Um, yeah, so I, I want to say Sean took me to a Sparks of Rescue show with him and his his ex girlfriend, and uh, it was just like one of those like I think I kind of found where I belong. You know what I mean? Because it was like I had a small you know, group of friends and then the people I knew from back home and that was it. And then it was like, yeah, I think this is kind of, you know, where I want to be. And it was like snowball started rolling with, with us as a band, like, cause we had obviously started at the time, but it was tough to put anything together with just the two of us. And then, you know, we get Joe and Dan to join the band. And next thing I know we're recording an album and I was like, Holy shit. And, uh, you know, it was like, <laughs> we, um, you know, we pushed so hard to try and get on like a spark show. Cause that was the way you, you know, got exposure for the most part. Yeah. And so once we've finally did that, we, you know, get our door, you know, get in the door with, with Jason, who was running the shows at the station at the time. And he was always bringing in some, you know, the, the bigger acts that, you know, travel yeah. the whole entire country whenever they have an off day, you know, being in Massachusetts or New Hampshire or whatever. And there was a show for, uh, I think, what, Bayside and Valencia mm -hmm. were coming to the station. And so, obviously, we always throw our name in the, in the hat every single time one of those big shows came around. And he was like, I want you guys on the show. He's like, but I need to see something more where I know that I'm putting the right band on there. And we had just finished... Uh, Less recording yeah less than three and we put it up on our myspace and we sent him the link and he was like you guys got it like two and a half minutes off, oh, and that's shit. all it took how did that make you guys feel oh. when you got that message we we're so pumped <laughs> we jumped around and we screamed like children found out they were going to disney i swear to god <laughs> it's like that was that was yeah the first time we were like oh we're playing with the national act like this is going to be you know, sick. And then um, we played with, I, I remember being at work one day and Sean texts me and he's like, call me when you have a minute. And I was like, all right. So I'm like, I gotta go back and make a phone call. Go back, call him up. Hey, what's going on? And he's like, hold on. I'm going to add Ben to the call. So he adds Ben into the call. He's like, you guys have any interest to open for the Ataris coming up? <laughs> and I was just like, I like literally one of my favorite bands when I was in high school. I right know and yeah, yeah, that was like one of those lifelong dreams to be able to share the stage and meet all those guys. And then he signed our trailer. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, you guys. Now you guys had that yeah. trailer, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right, man. You know that feeling that you guys are talking about when you got that message and you were like, "Oh, we were jumping around like kids." Like it was just so sincere and pure like that is how i still feel when i think about some of these oh things. yeah do you guys feel oh, yeah. my still like the, the things linger it's, with you guys a lot like like i mean so 
back then, like those shows were the, we want to play this show. We want to do this thing. And then we got to a point where, you know, the show director at the state theater actually reached out to Sean and was like, Hey, uh, part of the CYY holiday bazaar, uh, bad fish is coming. So you guys have any interest in opening? We know like the genres are a little off, but like, we think you'd be a, a good fit as far as your energy is concerned. And like that right there is like the highest compliment you can get. <laughs> this is like one of the biggest yeah. stages, you know, in the state. And yeah, that, that was so cool. And, and not only that, but like, Hey, we know that you guys aren't really like the the headlining band, but we still want you to come and play because we think you're that fucking yeah. cool. Like that was a that was like by far like the the biggest you know man. Like we we actually set out to do something, and it feels like we have accomplished that at this point. Yeah, and that the the phone call to get that show was uh, an insane feeling. Like. One I don't think I can replace, but actually being there and like, like when we sound checked at the state theater, it was so surreal. Like we had, uh, Steve's friend Brandon was there because my, well, I don't even know how old Darian was at the time. My nephew was like four years old. He had just broken my ankle with a shopping cart. So here we are, you know, <laughs> on the verge of a biggest show of our musical career, and I'm on crutches. So we had oh to call Brandon in to, like, tape up my ankle so I could, you know, at least hobble around up on stage. And, like, yeah, we're, we're just sound checking, and there's just, like, a few people out front, and they got the lights going. They're, like, trying to time it up to the, uh, the music. And I just remember looking around at Steve and at Corsi, and I'm just like, I can't believe I'm standing here. Like, right. you know how many shows I've seen from down there? Yeah, exactly. How right, am I right. up here? <laughs> well, this is this is another <laughs> thing too. Is like, we had that, you know, this moment where we're playing like a big stage, and so you play in like the like local venues for the most part, small rooms, and and you get to like the green room, and it's usually just like a bucket of beer, and you know, here's what you get, and then you're gonna get your guarantee on top of it. Well, when she reached out to Sean about the show, she was like, you guys have any demands? And he was like, what do you mean demands? She's like, I don't know. Do you want anything in your your dressing room? Oh, and please tell me. Sean, just being an asshole, goes, uh, white towels and a bowl of candy. <laughs> like, right? We show up and there's literally like six white towels folded up on the table in this huge yeah. bowl of candy. And so we're walking around upstairs in the state theater. And we walk past bad fishes dressing room there's like 30 bottles of liquor on their table and i was like we fucking blew it man good <laughs> <laughs> oh when at first too she said oh. something um she's like we're gonna have a guarantee of 200 dollars, and i'm like oh man where are we gonna come up with 200 dollars? <laughs> <laughs> i'm thinking we gotta pay to play this show look <laughs> i don't know how this works oh my god so how long so how long have you guys been playing for when you got that offer to go and play that show do you think well, that was about 11 years ago right i think so something like that holy crap so we had probably been a band for three years maybe two two and a half yeah it all happened very fast yeah you know i feel that way about the sophomore beat you know because we were only bands for so long for so you know quickly of a time you know, this was only, you know, like 2006 to 2000 and, you know, like 2006 was the release of For the Time Being, or 2007. And um, then 2011 was part of The Lobster. So that's only, you know, four years or so. But I feel like all of the bands that were in that family just packed so much fucking shit in those mm -hmm. yeah. years i mean how much did you guys how much do you guys feel like you you know steve you already made a comment that like you guys set out to do something and you accomplished it in three years i mean there's bands out there that don't ever get those kinds of opportunities you know and play for much much longer than that and i know that we've all probably come across those kinds of people but it's like do you think there's anything about Portland itself fostering the arts or local music 
or do you, how much of a part the CYY have to play? Like, who do we have to look to to say, like, here's part of the reason why some of these bands, like you guys, and like the Sophomore Beat, and Sparks to Rescue, and the Killing Moon, and Too Late to Hero, and I mean, the list goes on, right? So who do we look to to say, like, all right, this was a, a major player in, in why this scene was I think so it, strong? Honestly, it was like the community, because you could go to a Too Late to Hero show, and you'd see this group of fans, but you could go to, you know, sophomore beat at the Daring Grange Hall the next weekend, and you're it's the same people. And then Sparks the following weekend at the station. It's the, it was the same like group of like a hundred to two hundred like people in the southern main area who went to every show. Like regardless of which one of our bands was playing, we would see the same people, and they were all singing along to our songs to your song every band that was playing those people like it was almost like an art form to them that they were gonna know if you had a new song they were gonna videotape you playing it and by the next time you played they're singing along yeah so what you're so what i'm hearing from you sean is there's only going to be about 100 to 200 people that are ever going to listen to this show probably <laughs> <laughs> Steve, I mean, what do you think about that? He's not wrong. And I think, especially for us, I mean, we have a lot of those, you know, like you mentioned the Killing Moon, like their band, the Animal Suit Drive-By. I mean, I can remember seeing them open for uh, Hawthorne Heights, the very first show at the station. And uh, it was yeah. just like, holy shit, like this band fucking brings it. So I think, you know, when you talk about like the genre-ish area of, like our style of music, I think they had a lot to do with, you know, starting it. And then it, it was just carried on by all the, you know, the bigger bands uh, from there. It's just, I mean, it was kind of, you know, I, Sparks was really good. And so, you know, they got, they kind of carried, you know, us into our success as well. But it's like, you know, it was just a, like Sean said, it didn't, it didn't matter who it was that was playing. And I think a lot of the guys that set up shows around there kind of kept, you know, our bands separate for the most part on our shows. Cause it was like, well, we'll use these guys cause we know they'll bring somebody in and give some of these, you know, younger bands an opportunity. And it was like, we always just wanted to all play together. Cause we were all, you know, we're all friends and we're like, well, this is how we're going to have the most fun is just having like a ridiculous show like that fucking free show. We played up in the middle of nowhere. It's like, you know, that's just what I wanted to do. And you knew, you know, a thousand people were going to come out because they didn't have to pay a dime. It was, it was beautiful. Talk about Winslow? Yeah. Booty short day? Booty short day. Oh. Yeah, we're like, oh, that like outdoor 300 show. people saw Sean's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> this is a true story. <laughs> but, but how many of those stories do you guys have? Like, Tons. Oh, yeah. Tons. Uh, well, I was thinking you know, about, you know, what's he going to ask us about? You know, what kind of stories is he going to ask us about? You know, what kind do I want to tell and let my family hear? <laughs> and I was thinking about there was a night where we all played. We both played at the uh, Sad Cafe. And I don't know if, if you remember this, but we took you guys' van and we parked it horizontally across the parking lot. Sophomore Beat was on one side. Stop as the New Go was on the other side. And we were kicking an empty water jug over the van back and forth and i literally dislocated my kneecap that night, <laughs> kicking an empty water jug <laughs> oh my god yeah i mean i remember i don't remember that specific <laughs> memory i guess apparently somehow <laughs> i can't imagine why but you know there are just so many of those and that's that was again to come back to kind of where uh, this started was there are so many things like that that we each remember that maybe I don't or you don't or I'm going to have some you know like those are the things that I wanted to get out to play a show and you know have somebody come up to the merch table afterwards and ask, ask you for a hug and you give them a hug and they're like I needed this show so bad I've had such a rough week and we're like yeah absolutely like you know this is what we're we're here for and we thank you so much for coming and a lot of the times you know, we were in that same situation. It was like, we couldn't wait to get to that show because our week sucked just as bad. It's like, <laughs> so I, yeah, there was definitely, a, there's a mutual feeling there because it was like, just 
being humble, like I think we all were, and knowing that, hey, this is just something we do for fun. It's our quote-unquote second job. But, you know, you really have to approach it with that mindset. Otherwise, you know, it just it becomes too much of a headache. Yeah, and I, I'm happy to say that we got humbled very early on as a band because back in the MySpace days, we had the great idea to set up a camera and record ourselves at practice. And we recorded the first song we ever wrote, which was called Hoon Goon, Conqueror of All Things Wet and Shaved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we Amazing. recorded ourselves playing this. And I'm, I'm not lying to you. It was god awful. But we put it on our MySpace. And it got over a million. I'm not joking you. It was over a million views on MySpace. I think it was like 2.2 million by the end of it. Yeah. And it was not in a good way. It, wow. We were getting destroyed in the oh, comments. No. Yep. And we're just like, oh my god, everybody in the world thinks we're very bad. <laughs> and it was like a turning point that like, first of all, not everybody's going to like you, so get over it. And second of all, <laughs> you put shit out like this, and they're going to make fun of you. So, Corsi, put some shoes on, and let's work on some better music. Yeah. That was one of my favorites. Is Why is the guitarist on the left not wearing shoes and doing the two-step? <laughs> <laughs> we realized i was not a bassist uh, my brother steven was not the answer at keyboard <laughs> uh, yeah. that was a beautiful thing too is uh so we have you know sean giving up the bass to dan corsi and he played bass for a little over a year for us and then one day we show up to to practice and Corsi and Dan Dunham are sitting at the, at the piano in Corsi's house and they're just like playing this, you know, playing a song and singing. And Sean goes, what? You didn't tell me you could play the piano. And he's like, yeah, I've been playing since I was like five years old. And Sean's like, so why the fuck didn't you Get mention this when out. we were looking for a keyboard player? <laughs> Dude, I'm literally trying to sing and play one key at a time. Because I've never played an <laughs> instrument in my life. But here I am trying on stage, making a fool of myself. The fucking Mozart the guy's been playing. <laughs> Dude, we were so mad right. at him. He's like, well, I just thought you wanted me to play bass. I was like, we can find a hundred bass players on Craigslist <laughs> right now. <laughs> Oh my god, dude. We literally had him replaced with um Ben by the end of practice. Yeah. Like hearing you know, you guys talk about it. And you guys you guys are still doing stuff together. I mean you're not necessarily doing music together, but you got you guys have a podcast together that you guys hundred and fifty something episodes in. Oh, yeah. I think we're doing one fifty two next. Yep, that'll be our next episode. This uh, is our uh fourth season doing it. This was a um, project that, uh, is that... that Sean and his younger brother Stephen actually started. Um, but the premise of it was, you know, Sean's an Eagles fan. His brother's a Packers fan. And they wanted to, you know, have a podcast where they can have conversations about their team in, you know, a not friendly area for those teams. Like, obviously, like, living where in are, England, yeah. like we're We're our out-of-market fans. And, like, the whole premise for... Right. We wanted to create right. a place where we as fans could we like we say this all the time. We're not professionals. We're not analysts. We don't get paid for this. We are fans that just want to have a conversation about football. And this is like a safe space. Joint practices. That's the name of the yep. show. Yep. Okay. All right. Where, where can uh, wherever you find your podcast, Apple, <laughs> Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, like it's all uh it's, it's, it's funny it's that you say that because that's literally Steve's bit <laughs> yeah. of every episode. He's the one that has to tell you where to find yeah. it. <laughs> so make sure you rate, subscribe, well, and <laughs> review. Five it's a little rating. bell. I wouldn't admit this, but I might have listened to one. and I'm, I Maybe I just gave Steve a layup for that one. Yeah. I kind of that's right perfect. <laughs> um, is there anything you think people should know either about that time in local music, about stop is the new go you know your band it's like is there anything you don't think people might not know that maybe they want to know or is there anything you want to tell people about this time in your life 
you know, anything well, like I'd that? like to debunk a few rumors. Um, first of all, almost 99% of our songs are about absolutely no one. Yeah. It's Perfect. literally like, take High School Hearts, for instance. There's a line where it's like, the lights are strung across your bedroom wall. That's literally a core memory I have of growing up and having sleepovers at my Uncle Tim's house. He always had Christmas lights around the top of his room, along the ceiling. So okay. you just debunked your own debunk because you said it wasn't about somebody specific. Well, I mean, that song's about <laughs> supposed to be like a, about a high school sweetheart. Yeah, yeah. Which was my your uncle. uncle it's Tim's fine. Not <laughs> You're from Sanford. It's fine. Not from Sanford. It's where I went to school. I'm from Brunswick. Not that there's anything wrong with being from Sanford. I'm going to throw that out there. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> okay. All right. So no songs about anyone necessarily in particular. I wish I could go back because I don't think I enjoyed uh, the songwriting process enough. And like, I don't, it, it was just something that you don't get to experience anymore for the most part. It's just like, and that was such a fun time just to go through all these like ideas and words and uh we did write some songs like about specific people and specific you know events and whatever but for the most part those were our worst songs <laughs> that we wrote yeah so it was like they never they never really <laughs> saw the light of day it was like uh we you know have this oh, here's this you know love story or hate story or whatever and it was like doesn't feel genuine even though it really happened and then you go back and listen to still smiling stuff and you're like none of this makes any fucking sense (laughs) (laughs) yeah but that's what's awesome about it like the fact that like the songs it's interesting when you're out there and you're trying to write a song because you're drawing from personal experience at times most of the times it's yeah. just emotion, you know, for, for, for me, you know, I remember very vividly sitting in Dan's apartment, uh, in old orchard Smithfield court, uh, and writing high technology. And he and I pretty much, that was right after, like, I got kicked out of Justin's house. I didn't have anywhere to go. And I was like living on Dan's couch in his one bedroom apartment. It was him and his then wife. And I was just, the worst kind of roommate and so um or at least that may not be accurate <laughs> but that's kind of how i feel now looking back on it um and so i remember writing high technology and you know there are very very few songs in high technology that are about specific like, actually about real things that actually happened or, or real people like it's the same way because i like there's only one um, that I that I really had a major hand in that was actually about somebody, and I'm not gonna say what song it was, <laughs> was about or anything like that. But um, I just kind of got lucky with that one. But the the ones that you just happen, they just grow out of like you play three notes on a guitar or on a piano or something, and it's like, yeah. oh, wait, hey, do that again. Wait, do that again. What what did you just say? Say that again. And then they just grow and they grow and they grow and they grow. And like those end up being the, you know, some of the, the fireflies or. The, oh, dude, you were going uh, down when we wrote, you were going down. I used to have this process where I would literally sit there with the notebook while the guys are playing, like say the verse over and over. And I would instead of singing words, I would just make noises. And then I would like write down like, you know, well, for instance, what do I do? Uh, eat the monkey in the ravioli eat the monkey in the sushi and then i would go back and i would actually make that into real like i would take the flow of that and make it into real words and we were writing you were going down and i remember like cutting or something and it was like but you love to come and fuck me (laughs) and and steve's like that's gotta stay in there yeah so then I was like, okay, so if that's going to be in there, we're getting to the chorus. And I was like, what if I did this? And I was like, it's going to be really bad. Like, I don't want my mom to hear this, but this is going to be awesome. If we didn't and have any we... other material other than Still Smiling, we never would have been allowed to play at the Sad Cafe. Like... <laughs> True story. <laughs> I have a story about that. What, what, 
What what an awesome vendor that was. Linda was amazing. Zach Gaffin. They, they were great, man. The so they were in, in Plastow, and this was a venue that uh, we actually already mentioned once, but um, no profanity. Yep. It was right? like a so supposedly it was no profanity. <laughs> supposedly, right? And it, there was no. They had a snack bar there. Uh, they ran on donations, I think. But the coolest thing about the Sad Cafe was that they would record your set live, and then they'd give you a copy for free. Yeah. Yep. At the end of the show. Which I always like. I, still I do have too. Some recordings, <laughs> and and okay, all right, good, perfect. So let me ask you this: for me, some of the, my favorite things about those recordings are hearing the stupid shit we would say between oh, yeah. songs. <laughs> because I would, I hear that, and I'm like, I fucking remember saying that. I remember when Dan said that. I remember it just takes you right back to that moment, and it's such a powerful. I Sean's, yeah, is, Sean's is the best. He's, <laughs> he's got the all-time greatest moment in that scenario. <laughs> Go ahead, oh, Steve. Yeah. You, so, <laughs> you know, it's getting towards the end of the set, and Sean always did the thing where, you know, we're playing like a long bridge between, you know, the the last chorus and whatever, and uh, he just started introducing everybody. You know, the state knocks on guitars, give it up for Dan Corsi on the keys. Ben, or we probably called him Brown Ben back then, which yep. might be a little uh, sensitive <laughs> these days. But um, <laughs> and then he turns to Dan Dunham, who's playing <laughs> drums, and he goes, "And toothless Joe Jackson on the drums." <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, shoeless Joe Jackson, first of all, was the actual guy, but Sean, Sean called him Toothless Joe Jackson. And like going back and listening to that on the way home, like I I laughed so hard in the back of the van. So I think oh my God, dude. <laughs> I think aside awesome. from like that, my favorite part was like hearing the little goofs, like the missed notes and what have you, like in the uh in the recordings because it yeah you know, the ugly stuff. things that always happen well, we, shows. we literally um purposely put i'm not okay by mcr in our set list that night because we wanted to hear a recording because we had been playing it live for like a month or two you know as our little cover song to get the you know if we played in a area where nobody knew us we wanted a way to connect and okay we sure. yep. in my opinion i felt like while we were playing it uh, like practice or other shows i thought we did a really good job executing because dan corsi had found online some guy did a complete uh catalog of mcr songs on piano it was just piano it was like an instrumental so for like two weeks he did nothing but learn the whole song like the second guitar part on piano and it was awesome he did such a good job so we we're playing it at the sad cafe because we wanted the recording and Dan goes to rock out. And I remember it because he like head bangs while he's playing and he hits his head on the <laughs> yeah, keyboard. Yeah. And then you hear him go, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's in the recording so loud. All of a sudden you're just, Oh, <laughs> Oh my God. It's so good. <laughs> Uh, this so yeah. I mean, I some of those memories they just I will always always have them, and I'm I'm so grateful that I got to share some of them with you guys and with the guys in my band and just anyone out there that like ever came to a show because I mean, let's face it, like you guys are already you know we touched on this too a little bit, but it's like we needed each other, like we needed those people coming out to shows and being invested. And, and and they needed us too. Like they they definitely needed a place to go, and and we were people that that cared. Like we all cared about the people that came to shows, and I think that that really came through to them. You know, they felt like we wanted them there, and it they weren't just ticket sales, and they weren't just selling. You know, buying our albums and buying our shirts, and that was like, okay, see you later, get yeah. the fuck out of the door. You know what I mean? They were a friend, and you guys are still friends with Danny Davis, you know. And and I know Dan is still really good friends with Melissa, um, uh, Ice Cream Girl, Hollowell, I think her last name is. Um, 
And it's like you make these friends, these connections, and it just is exactly the reason why I wanted to do this show. It's exactly why I wanted to get these things out there because yeah, yeah. worth talking about. And I've had such a good time with you guys doing it, man. Like I and I think I hope that you guys enjoy talking about it. I I want to keep talking about it for like three more hours. (laughs) There's still a lot of stuff that we can probably talk about. I I do think that there's got to be people out there still that hold that time in their lives like near and dear to their heart, just because it was a you know it was they're part of something. You know what I mean? It's a, you mean, you spoke about it. It was like, we wanted those people there. Like we all became this like big, weird family, but you know, for me having an opportunity, I thought I saw taken back Sunday at the state theater. And as I was leaving, um, Eddie, the guitarist just happened to be standing outside and Elijah and I sat there and talked to him for like 45 minutes. And he, you know, just sat there and wow. just shot the shit with us for the longest time. And I was like, man, I was like, if I was ever in that situation, like, that's what I want to do. I just, no matter, you know, how big or small my band is, it just give the time to those people that paved the way for you. I mean, you're nothing without the people that are in the crowd. And so that's kind of the mindset, you know, I would say for if anybody ever listens to this going into making a band, like, remember that because it's super duper important and uh, it means the world, you know, cause I've met some real asshole <laughs> musicians in my life too. And so yeah, just, yeah yep. taking the time and being kind and, you know, accommodating them as best as you can. Uh, that's, it, it speaks volumes and it goes a long, long, long way. Sean, you got anything you want to uh, add to that or piggyback on? Or? I miss it. Like every day, I talk about this all the time. Me and Steve talk about it all the time. We're always like, you know, if either one of us win Powerball, we're going to walk into work, take a dump on the floor, (laughs) and then we're going to Guitar Center, and we're buying all new gear, and we're going to hire some musicians, and we're going to write a new album, and it's not going to matter because we're going to be loaded, so it doesn't matter if we fail. We're going to do what we love. So look out for – I literally have (laughs) – Look up. I'm at – and say, look out for Sean and I to become the next 303 once we win the Powerball. <laughs> it was really, it, it, it affected us. Oh, yeah. Well, I doubt. That's, I mean, I still have a, a, my, our merch bin, the big tub of merch. I still keep it in my barn, you know, just in case. I'm going to be 82 years old holding out hope that we might play a show one day. So I, yep. I got seven medium shirts left. I could probably Steve, show. put your teeth in. Yeah. Yeah. Oh Steve, put your God, teeth dude. in. We're playing at the vet's hall. I can't go. I'm on dialysis. <laughs> you know what I wish was a thing like for us as local bands? Like back in the day, like Spotify completely changed the game. When Seven came out, and this tells you like how people consume the product now we have three songs from uh seven that have twenty thousand plays on there and that's like the most recent album so like those sorts of things that you know i mean for the smaller artists and (laughs) because we got this high volume of plays we became a verified artist on spotify so like i mean it was it was one of those other things too it was like we released this really like low quality album, but it was just something we wanted to do and it got us a blue check mark. So <laughs> it's, it's interesting, but I just think that <laughs> having a product like this would just, it's got to help out, you know, smaller, uh, smaller acts like these days because the social media scene is completely changed. Facebook sucks the biggest dick. If you're a band, oh, yeah. <laughs> there, there's no, there's no MySpace. Um, you know, I I have never seen any like small band post something on Twitter. I don't Twitter's kind of a cesspool anyway, but just like using because uh, right. like MySpace was the way we built everything. You know, it was like used to go back in the day, go to these bands MySpaces and be like, oh, the new profile picture. It's the you know the flyer from the next show that we're gonna go to, and that's it's all gone. It was right after we put seven on there, I think. And, you know, we had uploaded it. We made the little video. We posted it all around saying it was up. And we had 
we had hit like 500 plays on i think it was the song maryland like really quick that song for some reason people wanted to hear and then you like would click on it on the computer and at the bottom it would say you know fans also liked and it literally said like the sophomore beat i forget what the th- middle one was and then taylor yeah. Swift. <laughs> i was like well, now that's the company i want to be associated yeah. all right there we go absolutely We'll all go and hang out with Wobbly Taylor H, Swift. Let's and it's go. It's gonna be a grand old time. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> That's a throwback. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, we have so many crazy things that we've done. I want to think like I know, dude. I mean, we did touch a little bit upon like the band beef stuff. We never experienced that unless we were playing a hardcore show and I never understood why we got booked on these shows, but they always wanted to bring us in. And if they're going to pay us money, then hell yeah, we're going to go play the show. Dude, we got on those. Was it at Rocco's? No, no, it was Brewer. We went to Brewer one night and there was like this weird venue. It was like a venue, but it was connected to like a pizza place that also had a bar on the side of it. And our rule normally was, yeah, and Yo, so, we played there. Yeah, we did a we show swap sure. with. Yep. Uh, what was it? I am legend. Maybe. I don't. Yeah. He is legend. We are something legend. Like something legend. <laughs> John. Le- I think it was John Legend actually. Yeah. Legend. Um, legend. But <laughs> so legend. our band rule was, you don't drink, smoke, whatever, until after we play the set. And we went to Brewer, and Steve got there four hours early and was like. I'm going to have a couple of beers and a couple of beers turned to a couple more beers because they were really cheap at the bar. And uh, mm-hmm. so of course, yeah, we're out of, you know, we're, we stick out like a sore thumb with all these other people that are there. And I, I'm, you know, watching the band play that's playing at the time. And I'm like, oh, whatever. I'm not into it. Turn around to go get a slice of pizza. And I walk through the door. There's like this small corridor with these two doors that, block off the uh you know the venue and the pizza place and i walk through the door and this other guy walks through the door and he intentionally hits me with his shoulder and he's like watch out you pop punk f word which not the four letter word the three letter word and uh i literally the french one for yeah, cigarette and i literally <laughs> turned around and i grabbed him by his shirt sure. and i was like this pop punk f word's gonna beat the shit out of you and he was just like, okay, okay. <laughs> it's like, like instantly stood down. But it was just like, that's the only time I've had like really negative interaction with any like local shows. Dude, do you remember what happened mid set? Yeah. That show? Somebody came like right up to you and like gave you the finger in your face or something. Right in my face was like, you guys fucking suck. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That was like, that was wow. our only like really ugh, ugly. Yeah. I remember, I remember playing at Rocco's in Manchester to a couple of crowds that were like that, that were just really, really aggressive. And I remember getting into it with the kid. And I remember Dan looking at me on stage going, dude, you need to fucking stop because yeah, right, he exactly. has seven yeah. friends outside <laughs> that are going to stomp you out. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll, <laughs> nah, you know, whatever. Like, but that was a bad thing. Five foot seven Steve but, with six beers in him becomes eight feet tall. And so I was ready to take them all on. <laughs> and we hightailed the yeah. hell out of there after we played our set and got our check. <laughs> yeah. Get but, fuck oh, out. man. That was, uh... Yeah, we spent 200 bucks at Dice Arts Dude, that was, Dice Arts is... That's you have to hit it up when you're up there. Well, fellas, I think that for now, um, I think we're going to, I think that's a nice place to leave it at. I really appreciate you guys. I I loved your band. I love you guys as people. We had so many great times together and I just, I wish your families the absolute best. I fucking love you guys. And thank you for doing this. And I would love Love to have you back. If there's <laughs> a I hope there yeah. is. And I'm super jealous that you thought of this idea because it's actually fucking brilliant. Um, I guess, I mean, it's not going to be like a... Maybe this thing blows up. Who knows? Shit happens. But this is just a... I mean, it's such a good idea yeah. just because, you know... I mean, we met so many people that 
can relate to, you know, any of these topics we talked about tonight. So, I mean, I love you too. I hope I can, you know, we can get back on another episode. Maybe I'll tell all the listeners about the time you ate an entire bowl of devil's chocolate pudding and then puked it all up in the same night. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh my but uh, yeah, like, I mean, yeah, we, we ba- barely scratched the surface. So if we can have a stop as the new go episode two next season, I would be totally down. And uh, yeah, you think, I you think maybe all the guys want to get to and that's it. probably the best way is something like this because uh, Dan lives in East Bumfuck, Florida now. Yeah, Corsi's in Florida. Yep. No way. Yeah. I so uh, I would also like to thank you for having us, but also I'm going to go ahead and extend an invite for you to join our podcast sometime if you're willing. Yeah, we'd. Yeah, we'd. Let's talk. We'd love to have you. Absolutely, it's a lot of fun. (laughs) Oh, there it is. I hear my daughter. (laughs) Yeah, I love you too. I love you guys. I gotta run.